Growing up, one of my favorite things to do was watch sci-fi movies with my dad. To this day, we still trade sci-fi movies and have funny discussions about things we love about space and planets and stars and alien invasions. So I was pretty juiced when my buddy Simon Milliman was telling me that he was making a sci-fi-ish album as part of his 12 albums in 12 months. Guys, get ready for something really out there and really amazing. Today's episode on Dr. D's social network is with my friend and incredible musician, Simon Milliman, as we discuss his next album and his 12 albums and 12 months project, Erebus. Simon, I feel like I just talked to you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have that effect on people where, uh, you know, you're just like... Weren't you just here? <laughs> really? <laughs> I think it's all the texting we've been doing about like all these movies and stuff. Right? That that could be part of it. That could be part. Of it. I've been, uh, yeah, it's been really funny. Um, with any downtime that I've had, well, my family's been away at at, at uh, visiting uh, relatives in in multiple states. So any downtime I've had from either working on the music and and things surrounding the music. And or taking care of the animals around here, um, I have been really wasting a lot of time on some, a couple of really good movies, 
but then some just bad bad movies (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh you were like telling me about you're like Firewalker, and I was like, I'm gonna go on Amazon Prime and just just go back and look. You influenced me, man. Did you, did you watch it? It's unfortunate what happened that I, you know, honestly, it's unfortunate that I had to even give any time to it. You did it that was, to me, though. It was so bad. Such I a bad movie. Re- I didn't remember how bad it was. You know, it was really funny though. Like I felt sad for it. You know, you you ever watch a movie and you feel sad for it because you can tell that I think the original screenplay wanted to be something. Yeah. Because there are like some characters that get a little more fleshed out than what you normally expect from something that terrible. (laughs) And uh, uh, what's his name? John Rice Davies is in it. Yeah. Most people know him as Sala from Indiana Jones. Yes. And, you know, his character is so unexpected in there because he's probably the most fleshed out character in the whole thing. Definitely. And he he just pops out of nowhere. But within five minutes, you feel like you really know this guy in a way that you don't know any of the other characters, heroes and villains. <laughs> and I'm just like, in that in that little moment the of them interacting together, I was like, I think the writer really meant for this to kind of be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> the word meant for it to be. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so, so bad. So bad Everything man. is so bad. All the action is so, I, I'm putting action in air quotes because it's, yeah. the action is not action. It's so boring. It's so It's really boring. bad. I mean, I'm flipping through and I see it and I go, oh no. Simon told me about this. And I'm like, I really don't want to go in on this. And then I start watching it. My wife's in the back and she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, a really bad movie. Like, it's just, I'll be turning this off very soon. You know? like, Gotta watch something else. If anything could have killed Chuck Norris, I think it could have been that movie. It's a, it, you know, <laughs> the, the ode to Chuck Norris is that he survived. <laughs> Making Firewalker. Yeah, yeah. On, on to other great flicks like Delta Force. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I clicked on Firewalker, I also saw that Lone Wolf McQuaid is on there. And I can't... Re- I don't. I remember watching that movie as a kid, but I don't remember the movie. But I was so put off by Firewalker that I was like, I can't do another <laughs> Chuck Norris movie right now. I need, you know, give me a couple months, Amazon. Keep it on there and we'll see if I can do it. I'm sure like, you know, they increased their watching by like 100% because of you and I. And they're like, people are watching this? <laughs> who watched this? Who's watching Firewalker? Lou Gossett Jr.? I'm the people who made Firewalker are like, people are watching Firewalker? <laughs> exactly. What's next? Enemy Mind? I mean, it's like, I'm like, I actually kind of like that one. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, you know, I um, I, I also love, you know, kung fu movies, so I've, I've watched a couple of those, one of which I actually really like, and it's uh, Dr. D, and it has Andy Lau, and the stunt choreography is Sammo Hung, and, and so it's, there's some good stuff in it. There's also some monumentally bad CGI. Yeah. But anyway, what another movie that popped up on there was uh, something called Dr. K, or Detective K, sorry. And um, I thought, well, let's see what this is. And apparently it's like a spoof, maybe. 
of, doc, of, of Detective <laughs> B. I couldn't figure it out. The opening moments and shots were actually kind of interesting and it gave me a little bit of hope for it. But then it quickly, within like a minute or two, turned into something that really felt like bad, bad television, you know, uh, and it was just the kind of comedy where you're just like, oh, my gosh, they think that's funny. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, the taste. director was looking at the dailies and thought, "Nailed it!" <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> so i I couldn't figure it out. I had to turn that one off. I couldn't. A lot of the times, even when I'm watching something really terrible, and my wife will, uh, she's she's just like, "How are you still sitting through this?" And I like, I I put in the quarter. I invested. <laughs> And I'm going to see this through. And I can generally find something to enjoy, even in something that's really bad. Normally, it's like an older movie that's really bad, because I think there's a a difference between old bad and new bad. I'm not saying that's always a good difference, but there's a difference. Um, And I can enjoy old bad more than I can enjoy new bad. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I it's good that you like uh kind of those kung fu or fighting movies. I, I love all the Eep Man's man. Those are amazing. Yeah, those are really good. Like the so, fight scenes are so nuts in those movies. Yeah, and they're movies once again where it's like, it's really funny. Like, um, I I really enjoy movies like that where a thousand punches are being thrown. Literally. You know, and it's like there's so much choreography and it really feels like how are people surviving this many punches for one thing, you know, (laughs) but the punches don't seem to be doing that much damage. So I'm always like the Ip Man character really uh, confuses me because he'll throw like a, you know, 150 punches at his opponent. That don't do any damage. And then he's just like, you know what? Just forget it. And he breaks their leg. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm done wasting my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're good. He's so relaxed, too, the whole time. It's great, man. I really like that. I like those kind of characters. The the Andy Lau version of Detective D is a lot like that, where he's... You can tell in the fight choreography that he's always kind of a step ahead you know, and so he's keeping his composure the whole time. Yeah. Um, uh, which makes moments when he's genuinely surprised and, you know, kind of panicked, all the more powerful, you know. Um, so I appreciate movies like that. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's it's really good. It's on Amazon as well. And it's just a good story. I really enjoy it. Good, good f- Chinese fantasy kung fu story with a lot of interesting elements and you just have to try and ignore some of the cgi that looks like a child created it yeah yeah you crack me up simon like you text me and i'm like this guy loves movies man like like, (laughs) i thought i was bad about watching all these movies you're like worse than me man (laughs) i do i love movies i you know i i just i don't want to sound pretentious but i just love the arts you know, yeah. and, and film, you know, to me is just one of the the, the best and the worst arts. You know, it, it really is like, I mean, what can go in a theater is just so amazingly bad. You know <laughs> what I mean? But 
there's so many things that are so amazingly good as well. And it's just, and I feel the same way when I go to an art gallery or something where it's like, Oh my goodness, there's so many things that are so amazingly impactful and beautiful. And then I'll go to an art gallery and think, how the heck did this get in here? Yeah. That's just, that's what I'm saying with like all these things. It's like you're scrolling through, you're like, Oh, this is a great older movie. Oh, commando. This is awesome. And then like crawl. I'm like, I remember that. The guy threw like a blade and it was like a boomerang. I was like, like yes. Beastmaster? Come on. I'm like, oh, Beastmaster is one of the all-time worst. It's I remember one of the when, worst movies, man. I remember when I was a kid and just seeing the uh, the artwork of the of the the VHS box on the shelf at the local video store and always wanting to watch Beastmaster, never getting to watching it as an adult. Turning it off within 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> this is so bad. I tried to watch these things. I was like, I can't believe I was really into this. This is because as your adult mind is like, are you serious? Is this yeah. really what's happening in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And I, I feel like that about so many movies where it's just like uh a movie can make me angry i don't know if you ever feel that way in a movie yeah, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get angry at the choices of the direct so we were talking about the aliens i was telling you that writing this this latest album erebus and and recording and everything kind of put me on the mindset of watching sci-fi yes. and so i was going through the alien movies and that alien resurrection movie man it made me angry I was angry at this. I was just so if people probably aren't interested in this is at, at all, but um, Joss Whedon, you know, this is made back in the nineties, and he was doing stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I remember nothing against Josh Joss Whedon. Okay, he's got lots of fans, and there's people who who love Buffy and they love uh, Firefly, right? Um, and they love like the first big event Avengers movie, you know? And so he's obviously a writer with lots of talent, but talk about the wrong guy to write an aliens movie. And as I'm watching the movie, I'm just like, what were they thinking with this script? And, you know, so bad. And, and with the casting, everything in that movie is like completely wrong for an alien movie. Yes, I was so like juiced to watch that when it first came out. I was like, because I was like, I'm all over the Alien franchise. This is like my thing, man, you know? Yeah. And I remember watching in the movie theaters and I left. I'm like, I'm not happy. I remember I was going with my dad. I was like, I'm really not happy about this. He was like, what? Because my dad loves anything. I'm like, it really was not well done. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> done with Ripley, man. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Bishop, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, uh, but you know, we we texted this, and I and I said, you know, uh, props to Sigourney Weaver because she is still watchable in she something is. this awful. You know, I mean, nobody else in that movie is even watchable, no. and there's some good actors in it. There are surprisingly, like you're like, wow, these are some big name guys who are amazing. You know? Yeah, garbage, man, just garbage. 
you know, it, it's kind of that uh, Star Wars prequel effect where you yeah. take Oscar winning actors and you make them, you turn them into terrible actors. <laughs> and you're just like, how do you, how do you make Samuel L. Jackson and Ewan McGregor bad actors? Oh, you can do oh. it. You can do it. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> you know, so you know, Alien Resurrection did that to all these poor, t- you know, great actors, you know, award-winning actors who are turned into bad actors. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> it's really sad. It is brutal, actually. And as I remember after that, I took a real big left turn from that franchise. I was like, I'm not sure what's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need... And then, like, when you start getting into, like, you know, um, what was it Prometheus and uh, Covenant? Yeah. And I really, I'll be honest with you, man. I was so pumped for Prometheus. Like, like, like really, like weirdly pumped. A little too much. <laughs> and I was like, like oh, the engineers. It was really super, like, <laughs> excited. And I was like, and it, I liked it, but, like, I wanted more of the engineer backstory. I wanted that to be, like, a bigger thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that completely. I understand, you know, people going in and and really there there's something within us that we want the backstory to ever, to everything. Yes. Which is a really interesting dilemma of, you know, the the original Alien movie was such a perfect confined movie. Mm-hmm. And I never remember watching the Alien movie and sitting around wondering where did this thing come from? And, and you know, I mean, you, you might wonder that, but you don't, you're not hung up on it. You know what I mean? Right. But somehow throughout the years, we become hung up on things. And ultimately, I feel like this hang up with wanting to know the history of everything, the backstory of everything, really actually ruins it for us. Hmm. My children, I, you know, they had never seen the prequels the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And so I, I and I told them, I said, I, t- I said, listen, the Star Wars prequels are meant to tell the story of how Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. And when you say that out loud, who isn't excited about that? Right. But I, uh, but I told them, I said, now just wait before you get excited about it. I want you just to imagine that for 10 seconds. Whatever you've imagined, in that 10 seconds is way better than the prequels. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to your imagination, you know? So in that way, I actually wasn't as disappointed, I think, as a lot of people when I watched Prometheus because I, I, I am not maybe as hung up on knowing the backstory to everything. And sometimes I just realized that... not my imagination in particular, but our, anybody's imagination is so often better than whatever happens, you know, whatever they come up with to put on the screen. And, yeah. and <laughs> so, so I was, uh, so I actually really enjoyed Prometheus. I enjoyed and Covenant as well. I really enjoyed the movies, but maybe for a, a reason that other people aren't thinking. And that is, I think, I don't know, probably in the last 10 years or so, at least, I don't think we've had as good of a villain as the David Eight. I think he's one of the best villains in cinema for at least the last 10 years. Wow, really? 
I really think that, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I just love the David eight character, his, his villain. Um, I, I think, but you know, I also, you know, once again, going to sound pretentious. I just love somebody who's going to sit around quoting Milton, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I love, a, I love a villain who's going to, misquote Shelley, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, uh, it's just so that 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 villain for me he ticks all the boxes that i love in a villain he thinks he's right um he thinks he's superior he has um real motivations and those motivations are set up and developed really beautifully without having to dawdle without having to do too much exposition. You know, you can just find out about his motivations as we go along and he's truly sinister. Oh man, is he sinister? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I just thought like they, they put out there all this mythology and lore about the engineers and whenever you do that with me, I want to know what that, I want to know the intricacies of that mythology and lore. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, there's this planet. And we got there pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? You got there quickly. Like, what star system? Where are we at here? I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just really like, if you're going to put the mythology out there, I'm, I'm the type of nerd about that. I'm like, how did they live? Like, yeah. I want to know. I mean, so in like Covenant's like when David drops the thing down on the, uh, I mean, if you haven't watched it by now, people, I'm sorry, I don't have to tell you, but <laughs> when he opens the ship and he drops the goo on him and stuff, I'm like, there's a whole civilization down there. I'd like to learn more about that. Jeez, man. Uh, eh, yeah. It's just me, man. You put it out there. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of these folks. Like, what, where'd they come from? I'm like, I don't know. I want to go down the rabbit hole really far. I want it to be weird. Maybe that's just yeah. me. I don't know. I've talked to several people who felt the same way, but I could also see your point about it. But I, I don't know. I felt it was just so much about the the android character. I was like, I don't want this much development about this guy. I really don't. I want the bishop <laughs> character back. Yeah. The guy who does the sword thing, the the knife thing and the whole, you know, I'm like Yeah. <laughs> Bill Paxton screaming, I want that. I want that yeah. back. <laughs> I didn't care about Bishop that much then. I was like, eh, it's just I'm like Yeah. I you know, I can see your point, you know, there's and so, you know, I, I think everybody comes into these movies at such a different angle, you know, and, and with a different um, expectation. I, I When I was watching these movies this last time, in fact, I was when I was watching Covenant, I was specifically thinking about Star Wars and how the same arguments that, I, that I've heard a lot of people, like criticisms, I've heard a lot of people levy against um, uh, uh, Covenant. I've never heard him levy against Star Wars. Nobody cares about how they're breathing on different planets. I know. I don't get that. No, no, nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody. Nobody's interested in how there's gravity on these ships in space. 
So Star Wars is this different kind of sci-fi where, you know, if a ship get, gets damaged, it it's never, you know, you're, it's never the life support system. It's never the gravity controls. The only thing that gets damaged in a Star Wars ship is, can we go faster? No, we can't go faster. We can't make the jump to hyperspace because our ship got damaged. Is there any other way to damage a ship in Star Wars? I don't think so. I, it's <laughs> always so very... I'll tell you a movie you got to watch. Simon, I can't believe I haven't told you about this movie. It's very disturbing, honestly. <laughs> it's called Anayara. Have you heard of this? Anayara? I don't think so. It's on Hulu. It's very disturbing, man. It's basically... Okay, why I liked it, because it was like... It was like a very slow burn about what would happen if you had this basically huge, gigantic ship that traveled back and forth between Earth and Mars. And what would happen if it got put off course with no rescue and the humans were basically floating in space for eternity and the downfall of people during that time in space? It's like a I think it's like a Swedish film. It has, you know, you got to do the subtitles and stuff. But it's so incredibly disturbing because it's like, this is what happens when people have no sun and they have no hope of survival and they're floating in space. It is very grisly and psychologically tormenting. I'm telling you, man. You know, that's so... (laughs) You'll be into it, I'm telling you, man. Terrible segue alert, but that's exactly (laughs) the kind of film that I was composing Erebus for. Okay, I want to, because I want, because you know, I when you told me you were doing this album, I, I, I got juiced. I was really juiced. I was like, oh, the sci-fi album. I need this, man. <laughs> so how, how, <laughs> how let down were you by the actual album itself? No, I haven't heard it yet because you said, you haven't, heard send, it yet. You haven't sent me the link, man. I, I did send like, you the link. What? I don't Didn't have I? it. I don't have your link. Oh, I said, <laughs> I'm I'm going back into our text. I swear I said I don't it have to the you. link, man. I'm telling you, I don't unless I delete it. I don't delete stuff, man. I'm not a deleter like that. I I don't have it. It's right here. Well, you didn't you didn't send the message. I did. <laughs> it's right there. It's right here. It's 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 right right above that alien gif. No. I say it's done. I sent the alien gif with the chest burster. That's right. I blew that. <laughs> I admit stuff. I admit it. Come on, man. I got to go back on here. Now you're making me. This is messed up, man. I like to listen to all this stuff before I uh, talk to. You. It's okay, man. It's okay. That's I'll, okay. I, you I'll know. Together, now I can give you all the all the spoilers. Unbelievable. About it, and then I can give you the context, and then you can go back and listen to. Yeah, it. yeah. I got. So yeah. at that link I sent you for anybody who's interested, anybody listening to this, there's there are, there are liner notes. Um, you know they're short, just just but just a brief you know explanation, giving some context to Erebus, what what Erebus is, and, and Erebus in Greek mythology is the personification of darkness. Mm. It's the, the 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 godly personification of darkness. Um, he is birthed from chaos which is the first primordial thing from which all creation is derived. And I've just always felt that this is a beautiful uh, metaphor for the creative process, no matter what creative process you're involved in. 
But I love the idea that uh, everything comes from chaos. Wow. You're getting dark here. You know that? Like, <laughs> like, and I'm into it. I'm very into it, man. Well, in every creation story, there's a similar pattern of events. And we, the, the names change, you know, things change. But normally what you get is in the beginning, there's a void. And chaos, by the way, it, it translated from the Greek, actually means void. Um, and and then you get darkness. Or they, they describe the darkness, right? Yeah. And then at some point, somebody says, "Let there be light," and the and the light comes from the darkness. And that's actually in the Greek mythology exactly the uh, you know. There's other stuff that it goes on, but you know, from chaos we get Erebus, and from Erebus we get. Uh, uh, Hemer, Hem, gosh, Hemerza. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna blank I mean, on the name. This names, is a serious project, man. I mean, <laughs> but it's day, and you get ether, which is the heavenly uh air, and and so you, you go from chaos, the void, you, you get darkness, and then from the darkness, you get light, and uh, so that, that that's most creation stories in a nutshell. You know. Now, was this like, okay, of all the projects we're up to now, where does this rank in the projects? Like numerically? Yeah, like, is, well, you know, is this your favorite, least favorite so oh, far in the journey oh, of see. the uh, 12, um, 12 months? I'd say it's in the top four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, Simon. Like, thanks a lot, man. Since, <laughs> since it's the fourth one. <laughs> in the top four. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I, I would have a hard time answering that question. I, I don't want to cop out of that question, but let me give you an explanation. The, the first album is my least favorite. Let's just let's just say that. Okay. So now we put Erebus in the top three. Um, the the second album, which is the acoustic album, I, I like it for what it is. You know, in the context, in the in the in, for what it is, I you know I. I don't want to sound braggadocious, but I think uh, for a singer songwriter, acoustic -y, whatever you want to call it, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> you know? good too. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the, the album that followed the weeping candles is a totally different thing. It's a, uh, it's not a singer songwriter affair. It's a, it's a post-punk new wave affair. And um, I struggled to like that one. I'm going to admit, but mm. the feedback that I've got from it, has been so overwhelmingly positive. Nice. That it's been able to um, subdue my own feelings about mm. it. And one of the things that, that really helped me be able to go back and actually, and I did, I did this on a long walk uh, not too long, a few weeks ago, and I, I just... Uh, <laughs> Weeping Candles has been out for a month and I'm acting like, oh, it's been around for so long. Yeah, and I just, went back, you know, <laughs> so, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I put on a, a good pair of headphones and I took a walk and I listened to the entire album uh, all the way through just, just walking around the neighborhood. And I was able to just kind of accept it better. You know, it's the child that didn't grow up to be what I, what I was expecting it to be, but I able to let that go and embrace it for who it is. And part of what helped me do that is getting feedback from a variety of different uh, people who, uh, many of whom cited different tracks being their favorite. And so 
when you get that and you're just like, oh, this person's like, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe this has a wider appeal, a larger appeal. It's speaking to people in more ways than I had even anticipated it speaking to people. And one of the number one things was the last track on the album was is called Helios and Celine. And um, somebody came back and told me that's their favorite track on the album. And it was my least favorite track, probably because I had the highest expectations for it. I really oh. wanted it to be this grandiose, epic thing. And I wanted it to have this emotional impact and this beauty to it that at the end of the day, it, it, it could never live up to my own expectations for it. So, so it was just a huge disappointment. Uh, <laughs> I sound like my parents. If my parents were doing a podcast talking about me, this is <laughs> <They're> like, eh, <laughs> yeah. eh. we thought he was going to be really special. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, so I, uh, so I really struggled to even listen to that song, um, or, you know, after I had finished mixing it, mastering it, I was like, oh, I'll never listen to this song again. <laughs> but after somebody told me it was their favorite and going back and listening to it, I was like, all right, maybe if I'm not the one who created it, it's a good song. Yeah. You know, my favorite was the Hello Normandy. That I told you that was like, yeah, I was all. I don't know what it is about stuff like that. It just like, it really speaks to me. It's like when a song comes on and it's very like out there sounding and mysterious. I just, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be my thing. This is totally gonna be my thing. Yeah, I actually don't like music that's very happy. I, I just. I don't well, like you gotta happy love music. Arabus, man. <laughs> yeah, I like I like very dark and very like moody music generally. So I'm pretty pumped about this, man. So I, I I've shared this on social media, um, but you know, prior to today, today Arabus is officially released, so everybody can can hear it. But um, prior to today, I had just had a few people most of whom had just worked on, uh, done some tracking on the album for me. I had a guy named Brian Dast. So with each album, I've been expanding. I've been working with more people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Brian Dast comes in, he plays baritone guitar, uh, and he plays pedal steel guitar, both of which you would be, you know, difficult to realize that's what they are. Mm. Because, you know, he has masterfully... Uh, performed them and then i have put them through some little extra things uh <laughs> <laughs> some extra things <laughs> yeah oh you know that's that's kind of you know what i do in the mixing process uh somebody will send me stuff and i say hmm, here's something <laughs> well, some <laughs> <know>? extra things <laughs> yeah uh put some things through the ringer uh so Brian Das plays that, and then I have uh, Danelle Dolan comes back and does some vocals, and those are the only human voice. That's the only human voice on the album. There, you know, I don't sing. There's no lyrics. There's no nothing like that. Mm -hmm. um, but she comes on and she does these beautiful ethereal uh, vocals, which uh, really just add this extraterrestrial dimension to Ooh. the whole thing. You know, um, and then uh, Joshua Slamp who also played uh, some bass and guitar on, on the weeping candles comes back and plays more, more guitar and actually plays some upright 
bass, some double bass on, on this one, some beautiful bowed uh, double bass uh, on this one, and 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 add some once again some real dimension uh, in that regard. And um, so anyway, uh, so I, 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 you know, th- these people were the first people I'm sending it out to. I'm like, what do you guys think? And you know, Brian it, comes text me back and he says your album is highly unsettling <laughs> what <laughs> well explain that i mean that sounds like a great album to me actually i mean well i think it's mostly because of the the diminished tonalities and and a lot of the a tonalities that i decided to compose from i i i there there are moments in this that are like pure major chord, beautiful little sections, you know, but even those sections, I oftentimes interrupt with something that's, that's atonal, you know, a little bit, you know, um, because I think Erebus to me, darkness, darkness to everybody, it's the mystery, right? That's what is unsettling about darkness is that you can't see what's out there. So for me, when he said that to me, I, I just thought that's the best compliment you could give this music yeah. because that's exactly what it sh- the, the feeling that it should be encapsulating. You shouldn't be listening to this music thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, this isn't meditation music. You know, this isn't yeah. like, you know, you know, repeat your affirmations to music. This is a different <laughs> kind of music. This is this is a kind of music where maybe you're you're contemplating the mysteries of uh, of our of our universe. Oh, I'm going to lose it when I w- listen to this, man. I'm going <laughs> to completely lose it. Everything like I just I was like I got to look look at this, man. I'm just like it's all like part 1, 2 and there's like no song titles. I'm like this this could be amazing. This could be incredibly amazing. Yeah, there's only one title on the very last track. So Janelle Dolom, the vocalist, she she comes over to record it to to record her vocals on it. She hasn't been able to really sit with it yet and and what she has been able to listen to she's just like i have no idea what to do on this you know it's not something that's normally in her wheelhouse to sing over these diminished and atonal things that's a very specific thing that very few musicians i think i i think that's very few musicians wheelhouse is what i'm trying to say is to to be able to 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 play atonal music um, and I don't think this whole album is totally atonal. I just think there's elements of it. But um, anyway, she comes in and she we're talking it over and everything. And she says, well, you know, this sounds to me like a soundtrack for death, for, di- <laughs> for dying, you know. Wow. And I thought, well, once again, that's perfect, you know, because yeah. there's no greater mystery than that right what what dreams may come in, yeah. in the in the afterlife um so these descriptors which could sound negative <laughs> in another piece of music yeah for me were just so appropriate and i just thought well this is just actually fantastic and and i told her basically you know run with that and i i told her there's there's really no wrong notes in here because uh, you know, she's like, man, I just, I'm not really sure how to do it and what to sing it. And, you know, I just told her, Hey, just do it. And then we'll listen back 
And with that expectation, normally when you're working with somebody on that level, you expect to do a bunch of takes. Mm, yeah. Everything that she did, except for maybe one small part, was first take. Everything she did, she would do it. We'd listen back, and we'd just be like, "That's perfect." You know, that's her talent. She's amazing like that. Um, but you know, she had to step into that unknown, into that you know mystery of even like what what can I even contribute to this? Wow! I mean, see, you built this up now, man. See now. now I'm going to be listening to this thinking I'm going to be traveling to star, you know, system LV 25 or whatever. <laughs> I hope you do that. You know, my, my biggest recommendation for people listening to this album, uh, either, you know, a good hi-fi or, or, uh, or your best set of headphones and listen to it in the dark. You can listen to it walking at night, looking up at the stars, but it, it's, it, I, I don't, everything I say sounds pretentious, so I'm going to stop apologizing for sounding pretentious, but <laughs> I don't think it's an album to listen to passively. In fact, I think if you listen to it passively, you won't like it. Got it. But I think if you listen to it with intent and with atmosphere, that it, it has a function that, that I think people can enjoy. I'm going to destroy it. Later, I promise you. I'm like, you're like, what how did you think? I'm like, I didn't listen to it, dude. I'm like, I'm like, I was waiting for your feedback, but I was I like, just I got caught up. Maybe I just were tell you know what it was? We were on like a furious texting uh explosive. <laughs> we were. It's easy, about, it's easy to miss a text. It I just is. missed it. And I look back, I'm like, well, there it is, right with the chest exploder right next to it. And <laughs> talking about aliens. And then you're bringing me back to resurrection. I'm like, oh, that was not as good. And I'm like, I'm like yeah. Erebus just floated <laughs> past me. I I was hoping, uh, and, and you, uh, you probably got the metaphor, but I was uh, when I sent you the chestburster gif to say it's done, the album's done. That was that was my that was my sci-fi horror version of like the turkey thing, the little thing that pops up <laughs> on the turkey. <laughs> it says it's done. <laughs> There'll be a texting storm coming soon. Believe me, because like, you know I'll tell you this was my favorite one. This is I need this. Uh, I'm going to need a couple of them, a couple of the. Uh, cuts for the podcast because i like to play the music as different parts right. of the podcast I'll, I'll, I'll get them to you i definitely have my favorite sections i think other people will have their own favorite sections but um i um i i play one guitar at the beginning and you might not even recognize that it's a guitar but the rest of the time i am using i'm playing synthesizers and i'm i'm doing orchestrations on my keyboard using you know orchestral samples and things like that and then i'm putting those sounds through the ringer a lot of the time to you know make them sound different you know however i want but then my main focus on here of the kind of the more uh pretty moments uh i, I might say were uh, the uh, this beautiful soft piano um uh, well, it's up to the listener to judge whether I play it beautifully, but the tonality of the piano is is exquisite, and I I really uh, those tend to be my favorite moments of of this uh, kind of ethereal piano and the other elements that are happening around it. Um, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll definitely uh, email you some of that stuff. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't finish the thought here. Uh, the, the only song that has, or the only part, because there's no songs, the only part of this music that has a title is the end track, and it's called uh, Infinitus Fini, which is Latin for uh, infinite end. And um, so when Danell told me that the music sounded like a soundtrack for death. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about that concept. And so I, I thought, Oh man, maybe I should rename this whole thing infinitus fini because that sounds even more pretentious than Erebus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it seemed like it felt like that was a great way to end everything. Um, because as we, we know from, even from just a scientific standpoint, nothing really ends. We change, we evolve matter though continues to exist in one state or another. Um, But at some point lights, whether they be stars or whether we're talking about the light of a life or anything like that, at some point all of that ends and yet remains eternal without end. So the ending is called infinite end. Man, you went you went to another place on this. And I had a crazy thought in my mind. Well, not crazy, but like obviously I haven't heard it yet and it's killing me because I got all this work today. I'm like, oh, I need to listen to this as soon as possible. Uh, but if you were to take this soundtrack, and speaking of movies, which we talk about a lot, what movie would you place this soundtrack on? You know, that, that's a difficult one. I, um, I've been watching the Alien movies, so I'm thinking of those. But those I don't think really fit. I I would probably, and I could never replace Hans Zimmer, but I would probably put it on something like Intergalactic or something like that. It would totally change the feel of that yeah. movie. And, and, and Hans Zimmer's score, I think, is spot on perfect. So I'm not saying <laughs> this is better. But that kind of movie, or maybe the old solaris movie do you remember that one yes i do but something that's not action-based um you know sci-fi something that's more thoughtful mystery based you ever seen that movie with hugh jackman uh i'll be surprised if you haven't because i swear we've seen like every same movie that's ever been invented (laughs) i think it was called tree of life with Hugh Jackman. Yes. Yes. What a great movie. Is I literally, this sounds so weird, but I remember watching that movie and I'm listening to the soundtrack, this beautiful, hauntingly sweeping soundtrack for all these different weird environments of that movie. And I told my wife and she's like, what? And I was like, I, I need that soundtrack now. Like I really need it. Like <laughs> just to listen to in the dark and look at the sky and the stars, and uh, I don't know, that makes me think of what you're telling me about this album a little bit, because that movie's kind of about death and life, you know, like it's- That's a good one, infinity, man. Infinity, you know? That's a good one. I really, I I like that. That's a great one. Um, is that one called Tree of Life? I, I don't know. I just, I just- it, I, it, think, I think Tree of Life is a different one. I think Tree of Life, it's another- it's something it's so, in that vein, but Hugh Jackman, I remember because he, it was yeah. like all these time periods, like the future, the present, and then like he was like a Spanish conquistador searching yeah. for like the tree of life type of yeah. thing. So I, it was probably something, but I remember the the soundtrack was so amazing, 
And I told my dad, because he loves that stuff, and he went and got it too. I'm like, what are we, like the only like 25 people that got the soundtrack? For like, <laughs> That's awesome. It's so good. And just I, when you're telling me about this, I'm like, this feels like it would go with that movie. You know? That, actually, now I want to go back and rewatch that film. Because oh my it's been, gosh, it's been Simon. so long this since you, I watched man. it. Man, I mean, so, <laughs> so here's something funny for you, though. Um, so Danelle Dolan texted me last night and she said, my kids and I just turned on Erebus and they muted the sound to the Christopher Robin movie. Oh yeah. I saw that. So they muted the sound on that. I, I guess at the beginning or something, I don't remember the movie very well, but I guess at the beginning they're the animals and everybody's all together and they turn on Erebus instead. <laughs> Wow. And she said, it's the most creepy thing. And you're expecting the wow. stuffed animals to turn on Christopher Robin at any moment and murder him. <laughs> the movie's called The Fountain, by the way. The you, Fountain. That's, the that's fountain. it. That's it. Yes. It was Tree of Life is, a, is another great one, though. That's yes, with, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, but yeah, th- those are two great movies. Anybody who hasn't seen either of those movies uh, and, and you like Movies that really make you think and ponder. Uh, yeah. Yeah, The Fountain. That's right. The I mean, it was just haunting, man. I was like thinking like, you know, what you think of Hugh Jackman. And then you're like, what is this? And I'm just watching it. And I was like, this is super heavy, man. Like yeah, really it's... heavy in a strange alternate universe type of way. Yeah, yeah it's a far cry from, uh, you know, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, that's, you know, it's just like, but I I don't know a lot of people who watch The Fountain. Like, I don't know that, I think it kind of came and went for a lot of people. Whereas for me, I was like eagerly anticipating it because I think I'm very into that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like an art house movie with a budget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and the same thing with the the Tree of Life movie, you know, they're, they're both like these art house movies that with with big budgets that are able to help it, you know, surpass, you know, the art house indie movie conundrum of not being able to fulfill the vision of the director and these movies yeah. actually had the budget apparently to make amazing incredible visual experience along with these just extremely cerebral thought-provoking stories you know just really good stuff yeah uh, that that's the kind of stuff that i would hope erebus evokes oh man whether whether or not you know like i said you know i never expect people to like anything i do that's the that's (laughs) the great thing about having low expectations for yourself is that (laughs) You're always saying that you're, like, you're always su- you're always surprised when people actually like it, but um, but I I'm I'm excited to see what people might might do with this music. I'm excited to follow up with people and and uh, you know just see how or if you know the music affects them in, in some way. Um, because the responses I've gotten so far, it, it's definitely affecting people, whether they like it or not. <laughs> They're like, this is weird, man. This is like, it's death everywhere. Like, 
but you know, don't, don't, I don't want people to get too hung up on thinking that these are like negatives though, because I am definitely not going into this from a dark, you know, perspective. You know, I'm definitely coming from a perspective of there's, there's beauty in the mystery. Yes. Yes. And I, and I hope that yeah. comes through in the music as well. I, I, I try to keep those elements there. I, you know, there's, there's, there are elements in this soundtrack that I was hoping people would be able to just imagine, you know, something sinister, definitely, mm-hmm. because part of mystery is feeling maybe something sinister could be out there. But then having these glimpses throughout that says, I don't know, maybe it's nice. <laughs> you know sounds like the movie legend to me a lot of it legend um oh tom, yeah tom the Cruise. old movie legend. Yeah, yeah 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 i <laughs> i was thinking i am legend oh no 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 <laughs> i was actually scrolling on amazon prime again because i'm gonna say you made me do this uh simon but the whole firewalker thing it set off a gigantic explosion of like let's see what else is on here and oh, I'm like, man. legend. I was like, oh my gosh, with like the big devil character and the pixies yeah. and all this. And I was like, what a freaky, mind bending <laughs> movie. Tom Cruise, weird movie, like in like 1986. It's yeah. really strange, man. It is a strange movie. And it's a, a movie that we don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying uh, this is not false nostalgia because I don't think we ever had a lot of those kind of movies, mm-hmm. but we don't see a lot of them. You know, the only people who, you know, I can think of that are really making that kind of a movie would be like a Guillermo del Toro, you yeah, know, somebody, yeah. something like that. But I think it's definitely a genre that is so, it has so much that could be mined from it for, yeah. with the right with the right script writers and the right directors, the right storytellers is what I'm really trying to say. There's so much that can be mined from the sci-fi fantasy genres, uh, oftentimes putting them together. And usually the disappointment we feel coming out of those types of movies stems from the stories just weren't interesting. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, it feels like a waste of the genre. Hmm. I didn't even go bother to see the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. You know, I I don't think I ever will watch it, you know, because what they had been doing, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, I'm just saying what they had been doing in the previous two movies were so uninteresting to me that I just gave up. (laughs) I gave up that anything interesting was going to be done or said in this franchise. You know, which is disappointing because it it is so rich with yes. things that you can, you know, with, it feels like a thousand wonderful stories could be told in that universe. You didn't miss much, by the way, just so you know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Honestly, I did not like the prequels and I wasn't that crazy about everything after moving forward so i was like eh. i remember watching the last one and i was i looked at my wife i was like i could have skipped that completely <laughs> i'm telling you i could have <laughs> like, that's what it felt it felt like that eh. and which is such an injustice to so much talent that was involved yeah it's you know just, it, uh, it, uh, man. and it just felt like this entire thing should have been skipped uh, i'm glad that the <laughs> actors I, I'm glad that the people working on the movies that that they weren't skipped just for their sake, 
Yeah. Because we got a lot of great actors, you know, involved. We got a lot of amazing filmmakers in all aspects of the industry involved in these movies. And I'm glad that all those people are working and have had yeah. great success. But the stories is what I'm really saying. Yeah. Those stories are just big nothings. <laughs> just big nothings. <laughs> they they start nowhere and they end nowhere. We know how Simon feels literally about this. It's, there's no <laughs> men- you know what we have learned is that and uh, I mean, you don't even need to listen to us. Don't watch Firewalker. Seriously, don't watch it. <laughs> Erebus is about death, pretty much. And uh, don't go watch the new Star Wars. Uh, that's it. I mean, now, pretty much. I don't know. now, now we can tell everybody to just skip to the end of this interview. And just, <laughs> you didn't have to listen to any of that other stuff. You don't have to hear all this mo- bemoaning of what we're doing about weird movies that were poorly yeah. done. <laughs> like. <laughs> Simon, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, it's going to be happening again before we know it. We'll be speaking, so. Oh, I, I know, and 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 we'll have lots of texts in between, so yes. it'll feel like we've just had a long yeah. conversation, and and everybody uh, who's listening will be like, "These guys are back again." They're the, and they're probably going to talk man. about more bad movies. <laughs> yeah, come on. If there's somebody out there, they're like, this is amazing. There's all these yeah. terrible movies, and these guys are keeping yeah. me from bad movies or making you watch weird movies. I don't know. I, you know, it's all part of that creative process. And, you know, I think part of watching bad movies or or looking at bad art is is a, is really actually instructional. Yeah. It's a way of saying, don't do that. So it's important to watch. It's important to look at. It's important to support bad things. Mediocrity is important to support. <laughs> it really is. And because that way, when you're, when you're done looking at and, and listening to the mediocrity, then you can recognize greatness when it's presented to you. Recognize you should not watch any Jean-Claude Van Damme movies that are currently <laughs> in rotation. And just watch Bloodsport, and you'll be fine. That's the only one worth watching. Yeah, I mean, Kickboxer, eh. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. It's it's good advice. You, you, have, you, have, you have ended this interview on sage wisdom. That's what I aim for in life, is to keep you from watching horrendously bad movies. <laughs> Simon, thank you, man. We'll be in touch again. Thank you. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.